Instant Reaction Podcast for Hawkeye Nation. Trent Condon in here this evening as Iowa fresh off a tough 77-70 loss to the future number one team in the country, Purdue. Iowa takes their first loss of the season as they fall to 7-1. Thanks for joining me here as we look forward to tomorrow night in the Big Ten Football Championship game. First big-time test of the season for Iowa basketball tonight, and it does not go the way of the Hawkeyes. But really, it's not about the loss here tonight. That's not what this conversation is about. Instead, we're talking about an Iowa team down 19 that came roaring back, a basketball team that were questions. Of course, going into the game tonight, starting with the news about an hour before tip-off, that Keegan Murray, the leading scorer on the team, the best player on the team, was not going to be available with that ankle injury that he sustained in the victory against Virginia on Monday night. And yet, this Iowa team, even in the first half, where the offense struggled at times, you could see there were opportunities there, not hitting shots at a big-time level, but they grinded. They made it tough. Tony Perkins kept Iowa at least within striking distance. And as the second half began, that lead started to balloon a little bit. Iowa had responses throughout, and it came from a multitude of different guys. The first half, it was ugly. It was ugly for a couple of different reasons, and one of them was the foul trouble that they were in. Now, Philip Rabracha, he is miscast here, if you will, as a center, and especially a team built like Purdue. What, what the Boilermakers have inside, Zach Eady, all seven foot four of him, off the bench, Travion Williams, an all Big Ten player, that load, that's not Rabracha. That's just not who he is, but the way this team is constructed, that's what he's going to have to de- be. But how about the play? Of a Gundelay, and a guy that I know a lot of people probably had written off. He came back, an English guy, lived across the pond during the beginning of the pandemic, added more weight, he was already a big frame, and put a little bit more on. And he worked last season to take some of that weight off, but you wondered, was the skill set there for him to develop even to a guy that could be a backup center in the Big Ten? And I know a lot of people, myself included, wondered if he would even get to that level. Well, he saw tonight, in limited opportunity, but still against a very talented front line. He can use that big body. He's got some finesse. He's got some moves in there. He can do some things. There's still work to be done. He still needs to improve athleticism. He still needs to lose a little bit more weight and add strength. But overall, you have to walk away and say, hey, maybe there is something here. Mentioned Tony Perkins in the first half, and I'm a big Perkins fan. Going back to the limited time we got to see him a year ago, he's a guy that just caught my eye right away the athleticism, the ability to put his head down and get to the rim, hit shots when needed. And overall, this is a different kind of two-guard than Iowa's had in the past. What he can do defensively, certainly much different than what Iowa's had. With him and Ulyss and Toussaint, you add a different element defensively to the team. And the way Iowa got back into the game was with the three-quarter court press. And it you know, harkens back to the days of Dr. Tom Davis. And you think of the great comebacks, and you think of slapping on the full-court press and yeah, they drop back into the 2-3, and there'd be three-pointers, and we'd be frustrated about it. But those bright moments, those moments as I was making those kind of comebacks and going on a run, and it all started with the defense and the pressure defense full court. And we've seen that for Fran McCaffrey during his tenure here at Iowa, but it just felt like that was at a different level. And the excitement going toe-to-toe with the number two team, ranked team in the country right now, and they're going to be number one when the poll comes out on Monday. Take a look here at some of the numbers and uh, let's start with the new starter. Chris Murray. He, he had a flurry in the game. 
hit a big three as they were continuing to back, come back, but you know he battled foul trouble himself. He ended the game with four fouls. Five of ten, though, from the field. Hit a couple of three-pointers. Thought he was really good in the ball game. Mentioned Robracha just wasn't able to be out there a whole lot. Still played 20 minutes even as he fouled out of the game. Thought that was a really good effort against the front line, being as undersized as he, as he is. Patrick McCaffrey. There's times where Patrick is going to drive you a little nuts. He just is, but he gets that runner going. He uses that athleticism. It's a little unorthodox at times, but his ability to get to the rim, use that length, he can do a lot of good things. Bohannon, one of those nights he just didn't have it. Four points, one rebound, one assist. Both of his shots came inside the three-point line as he was 0 for 2 from deep. But overall, there's going to be games like we saw Monday where he's hitting the shot. There's going to be other games. But another good thing to, to take out of this, a game like this for Bohannon. This is not the old days where Bohannon, even if the shot's not going, they're going to keep him out there for 32, 34 minutes a game. That's not the case anymore because of the emergence of Tony Perkins and the other options that they have. They don't have to go that route. They don't have to play him when the shot's not going because ultimately, Bohannon's not hitting shots. There's just not a whole lot as a two-guard that he's going to be able to impact the game. I think a lot to take away there in that one. Tucson, another guy that fouled with, uh, struggled with foul trouble in the first half of the game. Got those two fouls, only played three minutes in the first half. It's something... As much as I love Fran McCaffrey, and I'm a big Fran McCaffrey fan as a basketball coach, I think he's excellent. Uh, you look at what he has done with this program, he has got them back to the level of Dr. Tom Davis. And I understand the frustrations of last year, the loss to Oregon, getting to the round of 32 and then getting beat, and not being able to break down that door. But that's what Iowa basketball is. That's the realistic expectations. For somebody like myself, I'm 41. My earliest memories of Iowa basketball – are the last year of George Raveling and then into Dr. Tom in that first season with Roy and BJ and Ed Mar and, and Ed and just on and on, Ed Horton and company. And you had, of course, Kevin Gamble and, and how great that team was. But that was year number one. That was 1986-87 season. That was a long time ago. Long time ago. And since then, following year of Sweet 16, Dr. Tom's last year of Sweet 16, but in between, you think of Dr. Tom had this program, I think, at a different level than what it actually was. It's what Iowa basketball is. And he's got them back to the level. Now, very well could be this year. They get to the NCAA tournament. And after tonight, I'm fully in now. I'm fully in on this team being an NCAA tournament team. Before the season, I really thought best case scenario was they're a bubble team. Maybe they go to the Big Ten tournament Got to win a couple of games, and that'll be enough to get them into the first four. That's where my expectations were with this squad. But Keegan Murray did take that step. That's part one. But the rest of the guys, the way that they jumped aboard, Chris Murray got something there. It's not just Keegan. Chris maybe is a little bit, certainly, is behind what Keegan is. But that guy is going to win some basketball games for Iowa this year. Mentioned Perkins. I thought Ulyss at times was really good controlling things, a gun delay. Sanford only played seven minutes, only got one point, didn't hit a three-pointer, had a couple opportunities at that. Certainly want to see it. Mulvey came in and played a little bit. But overall, Connor McCaffrey struggled with the shot. And for Connor, I, you have to understand the frustration. This is a guy that was a four-star player in high school. This is a guy that has been a high-level athlete in baseball and basketball since he was a little kid. The shooting ability just isn't there. 
And as much as I love Fran, the one thing that just annoys the crap out of me, especially as we watch Jack, the youngest one, hitting shots and playing as a freshman at Iowa City West and how well he's playing. And what a beautiful stroke he has. Why didn't Fran and Margaret take the boys, take Patrick, and take Connor aside when they were in 6th, 7th grade and fix those shots because they were in the gym enough, right? I'm sure they could hit them when they were a youngster, and, and, well, if they're hitting them then, it'd be okay. But if they just would have taken that time, that aside, he's now shooting 8% from three this year. For his career, he's at 27%. You have to understand your limitations at the Big Ten level as a player. Connor can do a lot of good things. He really can. But one thing that he seemingly always struggled with is shooting the basketball. He had one year where he shot over 30%. This is what he is. There's a reason he's open. There's a reason they're going to give him that shot. At the end of the first half, another frustrating one where there was time on the clock. They could have probably got a better shot. Took him down. Got to be better. Just have to. Hit his first of the year is now and missed his last 11 from three. And if he can't hit the three, then step inside. I understand long tubes are not a good shot in basketball. It's one of the worst percentage shots that you can take. But if you can't hit the three, tell you what, shooting 45% from a long two as opposed to what is now 8% from three, I'm not a math major by any means, but you can see that was something you definitely could take. Purdue's great. Purdue is an excellent team. The Ivy kid is as athletic as you're going to find in college basketball. He took that team built that 19-point lead, and a lot of it was just him putting the team on the back. We talked about how big they are, of course, with Edie and Williams and Stefanovic, who I think he played with Brian Cardle with the Boilermakers in the early 2000s. I mean, that dude feels like he has been around forever, and he's still out there making plays. First is going to be a good player in the future, too. They're deep. They're good. They're talented. Painters got a Final Four team. And Iowa went there and went blow to blow without their best player. How incredible is that? Tip of the ball cap to this squad. I didn't anticipate tonight this is what you're going to see. In fact, going into the game before we even knew the news of Keegan Murray, my expectation was they were going to get blown out. How many times have It's not just an alpha out there like we've had the last couple of years with Garza, but there's more guys. There are guys that aren't going to just lay down and take getting kicked in the teeth. Seems different. Feels different. In terms of raw talent, this is not the same team that they were a year ago. This team's not going to be a two seed in the NCAA tournament, but that's okay. And when we get to that point, and when you look to the future, and if this turns out to be what I think will be an NCAA tournament team, it's about the path. It's about getting there. Here's a little something for you. Look at the brackets historically for Iowa. We talk about brackets opening up. How many teams that have got past to a Sweet 16, to an Elite 8, as a bracket opened up in front of them? That hasn't happened for Iowa. You know, Iowa wasn't the 8 or 9 seed the year that Virginia lost to a 16. Iowa wasn't a 7 or 10 seed the year that the 2 seed fell in the first round and lost to a 15. The Richmond Spiders, the first one ever to pull it off against Syracuse. Iowa wasn't waiting on the other side in that round of 32 matchup. They say Iowa's a six seed this year. And the three seed gets upset. You're taking on a Mercer in the round of 32. That's something that can happen and happens for a lot of teams. But it hasn't happened for Iowa. 
I think that would cure a lot of people's maybe angst about Ray McCaffrey. But look at what he has done. If they get to the tournament this year, that'll be seven NCAA tournament bids in the last nine seasons. They were a tournament team, of course, in 2020 before it was shut down. So consider that. Seven of nine at Iowa. And you talk to coaches across college basketball. You talk to national media. How is the Iowa job viewed as it pertains to your conference brethren? At best, the ninth best job in the league. More people are probably putting that in the 10-11 range. Had a Northwestern, had a Rutgers, had a Nebraska because of history, but in terms of facilities, Nebraska even probably has Iowa beat just because of facilities, but that's not it. I mean, come on. We know about that. But you're talking about, at best, the ninth best job in the Big Ten. And he's going to, if he takes his team to the tournament, nine, seven of the last nine years, that is an incredible number for Fran McCaffrey. I know you want to see a Sweet 16. You want to see this team play in the second weekend. That is a huge accomplishment. They still haven't bust down the door. But they've been in the top half of the conference. They've been there year in and year out. He's a really good coach. He's a great offensive coach, one of the best in college basketball. And the future, really exciting. Got to see these young guys playing at a high level. On a night where your senior Bo Hannon didn't have it, other dudes came to play. Keegan Murray wasn't there, at least on the hardwood, and they played at a high level. How much fun was that? Yeah, they lost. Ultimately, that's what it is. It's a loss. You're what your record says you are. We can go and throw out all those different conversations and all those different pieces. I walk away, though, encouraged. I walk away happy. And I'm not the most optimistic Hawkeye fan. I'm just not. It's not the way I'm built. Maybe it's because of the scar tissue throughout the years. I don't know what it is. I am not optimistic in general. But I walked away tonight as optimistic as I have been. Awful loss in Iowa basketball. Feels like in a really, really long time. I love the fight. I love the grit. I love the way that this team seemed to come together, even down 19 points. It wasn't hanging the heads. It was going out there and making plays and coming back. And clamping down defensively, making plays. It was... It was everything you want to see out of this Iowa basketball team. Tip of the ball cap. Need to take a little drink. Not a celebratory one. Basketball. So this stretch. You take the L tonight. Everybody anticipated that's what it was going to be. But now you look forward to Monday. You got Illinois coming in. They throttled Rutgers tonight. Absolutely killed him. But before that, Illinois is not playing great basketball. They put away Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not good. They just got blown out tonight by Boston College. Before that, they give up 85 to Texas Rio Grande Valley, who were close with Texas at the half, and Texas blew them out in the second half. Beat a bad Kansas State team. So they've won three in a row, but they're blown out by Cincinnati, lost to Marquette, and something is just amiss with this team. With no Sumu. It's just a different Illinois squad, and it doesn't feel like they found their footing. It's not a must-win. Look, it's December. There, there's no such thing as a must-win in December, but when you look at the way the schedule is, of course, two Big Ten games, and then you get the break here, and you knew what this one ultimately was probably going to be, even with the opportunities that they had. An important one. Six o'clock tip-off. Get to Carver if you can. 
know, get that early tip. It's on a Monday. Going to be a little bit more difficult. If you can, though, go support this squad. After the heart, the desire that they show tonight, go out and support these dudes because that was excellent. Then it's Thursday night against Iowa State. That is going to be a revved-up crowd. They got a big one themselves tomorrow over at Creighton before the Iowa-Iowa State game, the Cyhawk game on Thursday. Of course, what happened two years ago with Bohannon leaving his shoes and thanks for the memes and, and everything else, you know that's going to be a huge piece also in the buildup for the game. Iowa State's going to clamp down defensively. They're going to do much like Purdue does, clutch it and grab it. And It's not a skilled offensive team in comparison to what we saw tonight, but that environment is going to be charged up. Looking forward to that. And then after that, next weekend, that game against Utah State is not a gimme. That game against the Aggies, that team is really good. They got hosed last night in their loss against a very good St. Mary's team that got to the championship of the Thanksgiving tournament that they were playing in before they lost to, I believe it was Wisconsin. But regardless, Utah State, very talented team, another good defensive team. I said going into this four-game stretch, would you sign up for 2-2? Two and two? And I think most everybody would take it. Well, now you're 0-1. That means you got to win two of these next three games. Don't put yourself in the hole. The only one that you get at home is Monday against the Illini. Get it done. Get a couple of cream puffs after that, and then get rolling back into Big Ten play. Oh, boy. Excited about this team. A lot more excited than I anticipated I'd be with Iowa basketball. With that, Big Ten championship game tomorrow in football. Before we get out of here, we want to talk a little bit about that. And speaking of the optimism, as I mentioned, for people that haven't heard me a whole lot here on Hawkeye Nation, maybe don't catch uh, the that I do on KXNO, 10 to noon daily, Miller and Con, and you can check us out. But, as I said, I'm not the most optimistic Hawkeye fan. I try to look at things through a lens and try to be, I'm not a journalist. Look, I'm, I'm a dude that talks in a microphone. I'm not a journalist by any means, but I try to take off my black and gold glasses and look at things objectively in my view. And that leads to a lot of times where I don't have the optimism of a standard fan. You guys hear Andrew Downs a lot doing these instant reaction podcasts. AD is a much more optimistic fan than I am. In real life, I'm an optimistic guy all the time. I think about looking for the silver lining, positivity, those kind of things. That's who I am in my real world. And maybe it's a fan. I'm a Twins fan. haven't seen a championship since 91. I've seen the longest losing streak in pro sports history in the playoffs with my team. Twins have lost 18 straight. I'm a Bears fan. I was in kindergarten, 85. It was great. It's been dog crap ever since. And then I got the Hawkeyes. So those are the teams that I care most about. I haven't seen a lot of winning for a long, long time at the highest of levels. And we get to tomorrow night's game. It's Michigan. And so many people saw what they did last week against Ohio State. Just the absolute physical manhandling that they did against Ohio State. And going into last weekend's games, there was a lot of conversation about, if you're Iowa, are you sure you want to get the Big Ten West Championship and get your shot against Ohio State? Because the Buckeyes at that time had looked unbeatable. And it was really because of what they were doing offensively. The way that they could throw the football, scoring everybody, the 49-0 lead at half against Michigan State. I think it scared some people away, saying, you sure we want that? Michigan's a different animal. They are good up front. Those defensive ends are as good as you're going to find in the country. But they want to play in a phone booth. They want to play old-school Big Ten football. That's what Harbaugh has built. That's what his teams were like at Stanford. That's what his teams were like in a way with the 49ers. Physicality. 
I would like to play that way too. Can Brian Ferentz scheme enough to get them, when they need to throw the football, enough protection? Go back to the last time we saw Iowa-Michigan in a big spot, 10-3. It wasn't real pretty. The offensive line just could not do enough. The interior of the offensive line has really come together. And you've seen Iowa go away from the outside zone play, a lot more inside, a lot more ISO blocking, straight up, hat on hat, Linderbaum, hit the first guy, hit the second, hit the third, and throw him into the dirt too. And I think there's a path maybe for that to work against the Wolverines. Again, optimism. They're going to run the football. And that running game with two really good running backs, looks like he got him stopped for a short gain. Looks like he's got three, and all of a sudden they get six. That makes it tough. Those second and fours as opposed to a second and seven is a huge difference overall in football. But I think Iowa has a defense to compete. Look, things can get out of control. Anything can happen over a 60-minute football game. I mean, we've seen it. Anybody as a Hawkeye fan has seen that. But if this is a straight-up football game, and if Iowa can force a turnover, make a play, special teams does something, a trick play, whatever it is, maybe it's just Petrus hitting on a deep shot. Regardless, I think they can hang around. Tonight during the game, I tweeted out, the, uh, the gift from the movie Rounders. As Teddy TBG uh, just says, hanging around, hanging around. That, that's, that's the key for Iowa football tomorrow. Hang around. Give yourself a shot. And I also wonder about Michigan in this. Because we saw it just this year with Iowa. After that victory against Penn State, the emotion, the positivity, the, the storming of the field, Everybody slapping you on your back as you're the second-ranked team in the country and all these thoughts, and we're thinking college football playoff, and we're, your mind starts racing. And I do it as a 41-year-old guy. Think of what a 19-year-old kid on the team's doing. You see Iowa? We just beat Ohio State. We clubbed Ohio State. You look at the offensive numbers, and you're looking at the game film, and you're saying, this team? It's human nature. This year in the Big Ten, Purdue beats Iowa. After Iowa beat Penn State, the following week, what happened? They looked awful against Wisconsin. Just absolutely brutal. Michigan State has a huge comeback against Michigan, a rivalry game. Everything that was poured into it, what happens the next week? They get throttled by Purdue. And on and on and on. These things happen. It's college football. We're still talking about young guys. And it could happen again. I know there's a college football playoff berth on the line. But to think that that does not impact what we see is crazy. It does. We see it week after week, year after year in college football. It's just the way that it is. I think it's something you have to look at here for Michigan. Get off to a good start, Iowa. Give yourself an opportunity. Hang around. We're going to be talking about a fun one tomorrow night. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Hey, for people maybe making your way to Indianapolis and listening to us on, on the drive over uh, on Saturday morning, tip of the ball cap to you. So I, I got FOMO right now. Wish I was there. Was there back in 2015. Family obligations just uh, didn't make it happen this year, unfortunately for me. It's a great environment. The buildup to the game, the excitement. My buddies that are there right now, my tailgate group, uh, just hearing their stories already about what the environment's been.
about a Rose Bowl team. And no, not going to go there. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. Hawkeye Nation podcast. I'm Trent Condon. We will talk to you again soon.